When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply of Manchester Finest. Welcome to tonight's very special screening of this masterpiece film. I call it a masterpiece. Entertainment Weekly is calling it a masterpiece. Rolling Stone, the Associated Press. The movie opened in four locations this weekend. Made $61,000 per theater. It is the fourth biggest per theater average of 2016. So, let's cut right to the chase. Please welcome the producer of Manchester by the Sea, one of them, Matt Damon. First question is sort of a cliche, you know, just like how did this come about? But this one goes a little bit deeper because at one point this movie is going to have a different director and a different star. So what's the backstory here? Uh, okay, well, so um, <clears throat> that's just kind of a long story. Though, so uh, John Krasinski uh, had this idea. He knew that I wanted to direct something, and so he pitched me this idea. Um, you know, not the entire thing, but but uh, kind of elements that wound up being this and and, um, and so originally it was intended for John to star and me to direct and and the, we, we decided Kenny would be the best person to write it because he's our favorite writer so we went to him and gave him the idea and he liked it and he liked it enough that he said he wanted to work on it and so um, but he had this huge backlog of work and then he was also dealing with the stuff all out from Margaret and last film and was kind of was you know, kind of locked in this whole lawsuit, and so, um, so it was kind of put on the back burner. And um, and John and I got impatient and went and, and wrote Promised Land, which we then made, and, and uh, it came out. And, and about as many people are in this room, I think, saw Promised. Land. <laughs> 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 so then Kenny came back with this script a couple years later, and um, John was off the project by then. He kind of moved on, and Chris Moore and I were producing it. Um, and Kenny handed in, it's probably about 150 pages, and a normal screenplay is 120, as I'm sure most of you probably know. But, um, so 150 is long, but, um, and it was this long and meandering thing, but it was brilliant, and it was in everything that's in this is, was, was in that 150 pages. And we just basically gave it back to him, and we said, just keep going. I mean, uh, you, know, you know, we gave him some notes, but really, he, we, we just knew he was locked in. He got it. He, yeah, he, he absolutely got it. And the and the characters were alive. Like he was, he had created these characters that were now speaking to him, like clearly. And so, you know, it's like it's like you, know, you just get out of somebody's way when they're when they're locked in like that. And so, and then he came back with with uh, essentially the shooting draft um, on his next pass. And um, and so we decided to make it. But first, the you know the first kind of realization I had, and I think. Probably the smartest thing that I did on this movie as a producer was firing myself as the director. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> well, I mean, I just—it was clear that you know, I, Casey and I had done one of Kenny's plays in London in 2002, so we, that's how I know Kenny. And, 
director. He's a brilliant guy, and and yeah, and a great writer. And and this clearly was a Penny Lonergan movie. This was like in him. I, I said, you know, plus you know everything that had happened on Margaret. It was like this was the perfect thing for. You know, it's like it's a great movie and it's yours. And you should really direct it, and, and I'll be in it. And so that was kind of our plan, um, and we got it set up. And then uh, my schedule, because of The Martian, um, this is back a few years ago. We, we started our, our pre-production time kept kind of collapsing until we got down to about five weeks of pre-production, and we, you know, in the version that I was going to be in. And we realized that was going to put Kenny in actually a bad spot and not be a, not be a good thing. So Chris and I uh, and Kenny kind of decided to to pull the plug, and, and I didn't have another opening in my schedule till this February, um, and you know, which is a good problem to have as an actor. <laughs> but um, but suddenly the movie was ready to go, and so um, you know, the one person that I always said I I see the role to would be Casey because we. Really close with Kenny, and we've done his play together, and and I love this thing so much. And Casey's just, you know, the best actor I know. And I knew he was going to crush it. Casey Affleck. <laughs> I feel like for years now, Casey Affleck has been overlooked, underappreciated, despite giving an Oscar-worthy performance in the assassination of Jesse James, giving uh, an amazing performance in Eight Body Saints. But he is an absolute revelation in this film. And like, why, why did you just say it's Casey or nobody? Well, because I, I wouldn't have given the part to anybody else. I, I loved it too much. And it, and it was really the best role that I've read. You know, especially nowadays with what's happening in movies, you know, everything that comes across my, you know, it's like, you gotta have a cape on, or you have to get like, <laughs> But it's, I mean, you guys go to the movies and you know, like, there's not a lot, there's nothing out there like this. And, and um, you know, when I started, you know, right around, you know, like, Good Will Hunting, like, 18, 19 years ago, those movies were pretty common, you know, like, movies about people and kind of that mid, mid-range budget movie, um, and that's just evaporated. And a lot of it's kind of migrated to television, and great work is being done on TV, but... Um, but the movies that were kind of, you know, for Ben and me, kind of our bread and butter, and the stuff that we wrote and we were attracted to, like, those the movies aren't getting made anymore. And so, um, uh, and, and, and so, you know, and, and I think, and that's, and that's, a bump. that's why it's actually great that we did so well this weekend. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Hollywood is very reactive, and they and, and when people show up for movies like this, they'll make more of them. Um, they're not that um, inventive in our thinking. I want to ask you, so, okay, so you went off and made a movie called The Martian, which worked out pretty darn well. Seven Oscar nominations. But still, so you're producing Manchester by the Sea. Your name is attached to this film as a producer. Why was it still almost impossible to get financing for this movie, even with your name attached? Well, I mean, my name as a producer doesn't carry you know a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sell any tickets necessarily, or at least the people who finance movies probably don't think so. And and uh, you know, and, and also with Kenny kind of coming off of Margaret, um, you know, and and Casey being you know as you point out really underappreciated. 
um, you know, we were told we weren't going to be able to raise any money to get this thing made, and it was we had this really miraculous thing happen, which was a um, somebody, a, a wonderful uh, woman named Kimberly Stewart, who's our lead producer on this movie, um, just materialized. It was like it was like a miracle, and she. Uh, she was starting. This is this is the first movie she's ever produced. Oh, yeah, Woo! not a bad stuff. <laughs> and she basically, she completely just she had the taste and the and the um, courage to to finance the movie completely. And she financed it and produced it. And um, you know, it, you know, without her, this movie just never would have been. So even, okay, so Kimberly came forward as a producer. You're producing the movie, and Casey is going to star in the film, but there was still a compromise that you had to make to still push the movie forward, even though Kenneth Lonergan was, was directing and writing the film. What was that compromise that you had to make? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the, the, the uh, a lot of these things come down to just trust, and, and and there's, there tends to be a lack of trust between the people with the money and the people making the movie. Um, you know, and historically, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Kenny at the time, you know, it, it, because Margaret, uh, everything had kind of kicked off with Margaret because he brought it in longer than he kind of agreed upon uh, length. And, you know, Kenny's perspective was, well, it's better longer and when I try to cut it under this kind of you know this arbitrary length it, the, the movie gets much worse like why would we want to put out a lesser version of the movie like you know his I always thought his position was very reasonable he was trying to make the best movie that he could but contractually speaking he was not bringing the movie in exactly at the time that he said he would um, so that ends up so so you know obviously entering into a new deal people go like well what's going to happen is he crazy and is he, you know, it's like well no he's He's brilliant. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's going to make the best movie. Like nobody's at cross purposes here. Um, he'll make. He'll, he's going to make a great movie, but his allegiance will always be to the movie and not to some arbitrary kind of deal. Point. And um, and so, long story short, um, too late. I know. But, <laughs> but basically, you know, the, there was an argument about final practice. An argument that kind of constantly here. Nobody wants. Everyone wants to have final cut. Nobody wants to give it away because that's your final trump card. You can just say, "Well, uh -uh. I have final cut." There's nothing you can say about it if it ever comes to that, and you have to kind of use the nuclear option. Um, and uh, and so the the deal that with the compromise that we struck was they gave me final cut for the movie because um, they trusted. They somehow thought I was sane. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and and. Uh, and obviously, none of this stuff was ever triggered, and none of it ever came up. And we all looked at these brilliant cuts that Kenny came in, and you know, he he handed in these beautiful versions of the movie, and and we all just did what we did with the screenplay, which was tell him keep going, and and he did, and, and this is very much his movie. But when you start to see the footage, because I know again you're filming the Marsh, you're working with Ridley Scott. When you start to see the footage with Casey, like what was the first? Impression, the first reaction that you had, seeing the depth of his performance. Yeah, I, I you know, I never. I was telling you earlier, I never made it through any version of this script without just drawing my eyes out. I mean, it just was so beautifully written. And so when I started to see the, you know, when I saw that, I mean, the performances, I just, I just 
it, it just absolutely wrecked me. I mean, I, and, I th and thank you for your enthusiastic applause like when we came in, because like, I, I never feel after I see this movie that I'm in a position to like cheer. <laughs> it's really heavy, but in the right way, in a really deep and profound way, and in a, um, I think it's, it's, it's the most honest portrayal of grief that, I, that I've seen on, on, on screen. It's just really beautiful and, and uh, kind of it, and touches you deeply. And, and you know, every every draft of the script was like that, and every every cut that Kenny uh, handed in was like that. It's it's so rare to get a film to see a film where the depiction of grief is so genuine and honest. I haven't seen a movie that did that since a film called In the Bedroom, uh, which came out like 15 years ago. But this film, nuts. So damn, time flies. So there I am at Sundance. You never know what you're going to get at Sundance. You really discover so many films at Sundance. And when I saw Manchester by the Sea at Sundance, the sense of discovery, it was my favorite film out of the 23 films that I saw at Sundance. And the, the reviews were, were raves. Uh, one very respected national critic called it a masterpiece, superbly written and directed, brilliant performances, a great American film. You know what national film critic respected said that? Me. you, <laughs> as a producer here with the cast, with Penny, like, how great was it to be there to see that first reaction? That was that was really really great. And also, you know, that night, that night of the screening. So. Um, you know, there was that wonderful reaction, and then that night Amazon bought it. Um, for, for they paid ten million dollars. They, they literally so so Kimberly got all of her money back. You know, which, is, which is really important because a lot of you know a lot of people come to Hollywood and they and they don't get their money back. And 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 we need these people to come, and we need these believers to come and uh, and help us make these movies. And when they get when, when when it's a good business deal for them, that's good for all of us. So. So it was a really huge thing because we got those that kind of reaction, and you know, to be there with Kenny while that was happening was really great. But then to sell the movie was because it's Sundance, as you know, you know, you go in there and it's like it's a white knuckle experience. Like you're like, I hope they like it because if they don't, like you're 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 screwed. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing is, two years ago, the prospect of a an Amazon buying a movie at Sundance, what? Uh, like a Netflix buying a movie in Toronto, what? And here we are, you had Amazon pick up a couple of films at festivals like Sundance in Toronto and South by Southwest. So so how do you think these players, like Amazon, are, are helping independent films like this get made and will, will help people sort of go to the movies even though they might say, oh, I'll just wait until it's streaming? No, they've been amazing. I mean, they're giving us this, this rollout that they're giving us is, you know, eventually this movie will end up on 800 screens, which is a big deal for a movie this, you know, this size, and um, they've just been incredible, and, you know, I'm just thankful that somebody is stepping in to fill that, you know, that vacuum, and, and because I want to keep, you know, I want movies like this to keep getting made, and, you know, I, I, I felt about this, like, I, you know, I want my kids to grow up, and, and I want to be able to say to them, you know, when I had any leverage at all in this town, like I helped get this movie made, you know, and, and because because movies like this just don't get made, and, and they're really special. 
Well, I want to open up to you. I'm sure you got questions. Right there. You, you're first. Nice and loud. <laughs> the, uh, the story that, that you guys, this movie, um, is a balance of uh, some real deep emotional um, backstory, but with the, the humor to it. Was that part of the cell that you kind of did? It reminds me a lot of Goodwill Hunting in that cell. Is that kind of a, an angle that you could use to sell in that regard? The, the fact that the film is a balance of, of grief, but also of humor, was that part. That whole backstory was so deep, and then on top of that, but you're balancing it with this humor. So the, the balance of the humor helped you sort of even, can't really help, help you sell the story. Help you yeah, I think that was one of the things that people responded to when they were in the script. All, those, all that humor was in there, but it wasn't cheap humor. It was really kind of the earned kind of real humor. And, recognizable kind of the way in kind of the hardest moments of our lives where we end up kind of having that kind of humor. Um, you know, and, and, and that's really something that, you know, if you do look at any of Kenny's writing, I mean, it is, a, it's about very thematic, very, very deep stuff, it's profound stuff, but it's always very, very funny. Um, and that's just, you know, that's, that's why he was perfect to, to, to do this. Got time for one more question. Who's got a good one? Yes, you, right there. Nice and loud, please. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yes, what do you find are going to be able to direct your first movie? <laughs> I don't I, uh Things have been going well as an actor recently. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I, do, I really do want to direct, and, um, you know, I mean, it, this was, it, it took years to get this, so I got to start, you know. Um, Deve you know, I, we, we, we're developing a bunch of stuff in our offices, Ben and me, and, and uh, um, so eventually I'll, I'll, I'll find something. But I, but, I, but I still stand by my decision to let Kenny do this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, I just want to say before we go, so you've seen the film, you love it. How do you spread the word these days? You go on social media. So go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, go on Periscope. I don't know if in the back you're still using MySpace. Whatever floats your boat, spread the word about Manchester by the Sea so people go to the movies and see it. Matt Damon, you're the man, brother.